Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Why don't you take out those notes you got on your way in today. We are in part five of a series we have called This Is Home, where we are looking at who we are as a church. If you are a guest, this is the perfect Sunday, no matter what location you're at, simply because you're going to see what we are all about. And I believe today's message will give you kind of the DNA of what Radiant Church believes and who we are. And really, it all comes down to five values that we came up with. They're right there in your notes. Why don't you do me a favor? Why don't we say them out loud as they pop up here on the screen? Number one is Jesus is our answer. Number two, the Bible is our foundation. Number three, community is our commitment. Number four, worship is our lifestyle. And number five, people are our pursuit. I'm going to finish out the series next week on discussing how people are our pursuit. But today, if you're taking notes, I want you to write it down. If you don't take notes, write it down. I want to talk to you for a little bit about how worship is our lifestyle. Worship is our lifestyle. If you're going to know who we are as Radiant Church, you're going to know that worship is a major thing we do. And honestly, I don't know if there's a subject that's more misunderstood as worship. Because honestly, depending on the background you come from, worship looks different to you. Some of you guys, you walked into Radiant Church and you're more from a traditional background and and, and you were just so glad that when you walked in, you were able to reach underneath that chair and grab those hymnals that we've put there for years. And, and that, some of y'all are looking. They're not there, guys. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I love hymns. But that's, that to y'all, that was worship to y'all. You were like, man, to me, it's like, it's all like, when peace like a river. Uh, okay, about four of y'all know, all right? And that was like worship, and that's that's like your whole life of like, man, that's what I grew up in, that's what worship is to me. And and then other people, you maybe grew up in the 80s and 90s, and, and it was all like integrity music or Hosanna, y'all don't know anything about that, no, Hosanna music right there, or or they, uh, come on, uh, like, shine, Jesus, shine, feel this, no, 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 nobody, all right, and our God Awesome. All right, now I got some people. All right, so that was what worship was for some of you guys. And then, then we get into, you know, the, the 21st century here, and, and it's all, you know, what's the coolest song, the most updated song, and we sang new song today, and y'all are trying to worship, you're trying to read the lyrics all the time, and, and if we make that's what worship is, then I think we're missing out on a major thing of what God has created us for. And it all comes down to this idea And here's the question I want you to think about. I know it's early, but this is the question I want you to go with. It simply is, why do we exist? Now, I'm not talking about as an organization. I'm not talking about even as a a church. I'm talking about why do you exist? Like, what is the behind the scenes of your life? I I think it's really important that we get down to the root of, like, if we believe, like we do believe, that there was a creator behind all of this, and he created each of us on purpose and for a purpose, then what is that purpose. And, and I know some of you think, well, my purpose is I got to do stuff for God and, and I got to, I got to make a difference and I got to help people. That's what, God needs me. He created me because he needed me to take his gospel around the world. And I would say you are, you're wrong. You're wrong because there's this whole idea out there that God pre-creation was up in heaven and twiddling his thumbs and going, man, I just need something else. I'm bored right now. What, what can I do? Ah, I get it. Let me create some people. Like, I, there's this whole idea that there was a, God had a human-shaped hole in his heart. 
that only we could fulfill. And there's this whole, this thinking out there that we are the solution to whatever God needs. And I want you to know, let me just say very clearly across all of our locations, when you understand who God is, you actually understand that God needs nothing. God needs nothing. Let me teach you a theological term that describes this. This is a term you can drop in some of your conversations this week. And it, it talks about the aseity of God. Seity of God. Now, you might not have ever heard that, and it's okay, but it's a Christian term that you need to know. It's a theological term you need to understand. And here's what it means. It means when describing God that he is completely self-existent and self-sufficient. So let me explain what this means for a little bit, because if we really believe who God is, who he says he is, then he needs nothing. He needs nothing from us, then we are here for another purpose other than some hole or vacuum that's in God. It would be the equivalent of saying this. Let me just say it this way. If God needed us, he could not nurture us. Let me say that again. If God needed us, he could not nurture us because God would then long for something from us that he needs to fulfill some greater plan. And the truth is, is God in his existence needs nothing or needs no one. So then why do we, why are we created? Well, Acts 17 says it this way. The God who made the world and everything in it, the Lord of heaven and earth, he does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. You see it right there? He doesn't need anything. Rather, he himself gives life and breath and everything else. So he's not someone that needs something. He's able to give everything. That's good news for you because it's like a mother and a newborn baby. If the mother needed the newborn baby, she could not properly nurture that newborn baby. But because the mother has the nutrients, she's able to give the child everything it needs. So you have to take some comfort in the fact that God doesn't need us. He's able to nurture us. He's fully self-sufficient, meaning no matter what you're going through in your life, God is not only above you, it's above it also. And he can bring victory in every area of your life. Come on, give him praise today. So why do we exist? Well, here's the statement. I want you to get this. God did not need to create you. So then why did he create us? Here, I want you to get this. Ready? God chose to create you, and he chose to create you. Here's why. For his own enjoyment. So we have to hold on to the fact that we are chosen to be created for a greater purpose for the enjoyment of God. So let's answer the question, why do we exist? Here it is, and write it down in your notes. We exist to glorify God. We exist for his glory. We exist for his honor. We exist to celebrate him. This is why we exist. Isaiah 43 says it this way. By, but now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, this is the God who created us. He says, do you not fear? I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. Now look what he goes on to say. Everyone, in verse 7, who is called by my name, whom I created, and why did God create us? For my glory, whom I formed and made. Now, this is important for us to understand. So when, as created beings, we are able to give glory to something, to worship something. So let me say it this way. It's not a question of if you worship. The question really is, is what are you worshiping? Because we're all worshiping something. 
We're all giving our attention, our, our glory to something. It's really easy to understand today because every time you like something on social media, you're giving glory to it. You're, 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 you're making it. Let me say it this way. One of the phrases for to glorify or to worship in the scriptures is to magnify. means to make it bigger. So I got my magnifying glass here. So here's what a magnifying glass does. Other than killing ants, you should see those blue eyes. Okay, ready? All right, right there in every one of our locations. It just makes it bigger. You're able to see things that you couldn't see before. So what does it do when you, uh, I don't kill ants, by the way, with a magnifying glass. <laughs> don't send the email, I promise you. I love animals. So, <laughs> except for cats. I know, I heard it, I heard it. It's funny, very funny. So, <laughs> when you give your attention, when you give your time to something, you're magnifying, you're making it bigger. And we magnify a lot of things. We have to get out of our mind this idea that to worship something means you have to go to some golden temple and find some little animal that's gold-plated and you bow down and put an offering there, an incense there. That might be a form of worship in some places and some cultures. Let me tell you, uh, the idea of worshiping things that are not the creator of the universe is more prevalent in America than anywhere else. Worship just looks different here. It looks like, who are we following on social media? What are we giving our attention to? Where does our money go? Worship, we're, we're magnifying a lot of things in our life. And here's what's the problem, ready? Here's what worship is. Worship is to the act of giving glory to something or someone. So when we are worshiping all these things, we're giving glory to them. We're giving praise to them. We're celebrating. And, we, and some of them are not bad things. In American culture, we, we worship our families. They, they come over everything else. It's my family. I'm going to protect my family. It's all about my family. There's a, there's a form of worship there. We worship our jobs, our careers. I'm, I'm going I'm to get ahead. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do whatever I need to. We worship celebrities, and we worship, we worship um, different things online. We worship our own image, how long it takes us to get ready, how long it takes us, what we look like. You're, you go through 18 different filters where you put something online. What is that? It's a form of worship. And worship looks different. And here's the problem. When you're magnifying some of these things, you're making them bigger in your life. And here's the issue with it. Ready? Whatever gets your glory ends up becoming your God. So you're giving a lot of glory to a lot of things that, that just become your God. And you go, well, what's the problem with that? What's the problem that, that I, I magnify this person or I magnify this hobby or I magnify this team or I magnify my career? What's the problem? When you need God in your life and that's the God in your life, no wonder when things fall apart, that's the only thing you got because that's the only thing you were making big in your life. And I think it's about time that we stop bringing magnification to all the things the world has to offer. All the politics, all the, the corruptness, all the struggles, all the, the social media. We're too big focused in 2020 and 2021 of making those things big. I think it's about time we make our God big. We make him celebrated. We glorify him in everything that we do. First Chronicles says it this way, ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. So I understand there's a lot of things that get your attention, but what gets your glory? What gets your worship? That's what I want to challenge you for today because our worship is something that should be a lifestyle that we live, something so important in our life because only God created you. Only he died for you. Only he gave us his spirit. Only he called us. Only he saved us and cleansed us and is preparing a place 
for us, we have to understand worship is a big thing for us as believers. Write down your notes this way, because true worship isn't part of your life. It is your life. So it's not, it's the, if you dumb worship down to a 15-minute thing we do on Sunday mornings before the message, you're missing out. You're missing out what it is. Look, 1 Corinthians 10.31, one of the key verses in this passage, this idea. It says, whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do. So no matter what your career is, no matter what hobby you're in, by the way, no matter what group of friends you're hanging out with, do it all for the glory of God. And do it all in a matter of worship. So how do we worship? Let me give you four ways. And because I'm a preacher, all four of these start with T. All right? So this is what I do. Number one is that we worship God with our time. We worship God with our time. The way you spend your time matters. Now, one of my favorite things to talk to couples about especially pre-marriage, is a thing called the love languages. If you've never heard of your love language, there's a book by Gary Chapman. It's a very famous book called The Five Love Languages. Katie and I read it right when we got married, and it helped us figure out, basically, every person has a need in the relationship, and so you can fill that need by making sure that you are focusing on their love language. So if you don't know what the love languages are, here's the five, okay, that just so you are on the same page, there's, there's acts of service, so you're, you're doing something for me. You did the laundry. You got my car cleaned. Oh, that makes me feel so great. All right, there's words of affirmation. Just tell me I'm awesome. Just tell me that you saw what I did. Tell me how great I am. All right, then there's uh, gifts. I mean, you don't even need to be around me. Just buy me stuff. So I've never understood that one, but I've got friends that are like that. I'm like, you're weird. So, but if that's yours, we love you, okay? Uh, physical touch. Uh, every pre-marriage uh, counseling I do, I'm like, God, I'm like, hey, what is your uh, love language? He's like, physical touch. I'm like, <laughs> I don't think you get it. Like, but we got the idea. And then the last is quality time. So quality time is, I just want you to spend time with me. I want you to hang out with me. So to understand relationships, which, by the way, it's a fun exercise you want to do on the way home, is which one do you need? And by the way, there's ones that I give easier than others. But, but for Katie and I, we had to figure these things out. Like, I'm like, don't buy me something. Like, just hang out with me. Tell me how great I am. Like, that's what I need. And, and, and I just, it, it's important. You understand what each other's love languages are. So let me ask you a question. What's God's love language? Think about it. If we're in a relationship with God, then what's his, what's, what's his love language? Now, depending on who you are, you're going to think God's love language is something very similar to what you want. So some of you that love to serve, you're going, well, of course, God's love language is we serve, we serve, we serve, we show up, we show up, we show up early. You didn't show up. You don't love God. I love God. I serve. You need to serve. Some of y'all, it's gifts. Like, it's like, oh, man, I gave this amount. I gave this amount. Well, I bought the church this, and I did this, and I helped this part. It's, it's this, this, this. It's like, man, it's, it's words of affirmation. It's I can say the right things, I'm, I'm, I'm articulate, I can speak right. We have all these ideas. Let me tell you what God's love language is. Ready? At every location. God's love language is quality time. You missed it. If you don't understand how your relationship with God is going to thrive, it's when you learn to spend time with God. And, and, and this is why I love our church, and I love the challenge we're in with. We're 14 days in today for 31 days in the Word. And I want you to know, there's no greater thing that you're going to do every day than spend time with God. I, I see a story in the uh, New Testament of Jesus. It's told of Jesus when he was traveling. It says it like this in Luke chapter 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had her sister called Mary, and here's what Mary did. Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha, what was Martha doing? She was distracted by all the other work that had to do. She was an acts of service person. She was going, I got I to get stuff done. I got to make this thing happen. 
She had preparations that had to be made. And then to say needed to be, it had to be made. This is necessity. I got to keep doing stuff for God. So she came to him. I love this. This is sibling rivalry right here. You know, you have kids that like, they're angry at each other. They won't talk to each other. They're like, mom, they did this. Or dad, they're doing this. It's like, talk to each other, right? But in this story, he says, they, Martha comes up to Jesus and she came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. She probably thought, I got it. <laughs> We're going to have, now, Mary won't listen to me, but Mary will listen to the God of the universe. I'm getting Jesus on my side. She expected Jesus to say to her, join the dream team, Mary. Sign up. Serve. That's most important. And I, I, I'm with her. But here's the problem. Jesus looked at Martha and said, Martha, Martha. Jesus says your name twice. <laughs> There's an issue. You are worried and upset about many things. But few of them are actually needed. Or only, only one, actually. Mary has chosen what is better and will not be taken away from her. Let me just say it this way. Write it down in your notes. Christianity is not about working for God. And I know a lot of you guys, you make it about, man, well, I did this, and I showed up this, and I served up this organization, and I did this thing. I'm doing so much. Christianity is not about doing. Christianity is about being with God. When you make Christianity about doing instead of being, you're missing the whole point of it. You were not created to do. You were created to be with him. He died so that you can be with him. He's creating a place in eternity for you to live with him. You've got to start the habit now of enjoying time with him. The most important investment you make every day is in your time with God. So Radiant Church, make an appointment with God and keep it. And I want to talk to the 700 plus people who made an appointment to be at our Radiant Church Foundations course on week one, who I am so blown away about. And I know the hard work it is to get off of work, to go get, go home, get dressed, get your kids ready, bring them back to church for a second time in a week. And I just want you to know, when you show up to that, it's not just that you're learning, you're worshiping because you're giving God your time. And every time you give God your time, it's an act of worship. Number two, you worship God with your treasure. So it's not just your, your time, but it's actually what are you doing with your money? Because how you spend your money matters. Yeah. I, I do this exercise with people all the time. I go, all right, so if you had a million dollars dropped in your account, what do you do with it right now? And I know everybody's sitting there. Right now, I want you to think. And you're in your seat. What, what do you do? A million dollars dropped in your account. You're like, I close the account. Take the cash. <laughs> Don't know where the money came from. No, let's say that you win the lottery, all right? million dollars. First thing you do with it. Here's my idea. Here's, here's my challenge. And I don't want to guilt trip you. But the first thing I do, that you do with it reveals who your God is. Some of you are like, my God is on a jet ski going around Harbor Island. <laughs> it's on a cruise somewhere. We have so many other priorities in our life. Here's what the Bible says. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart is at. So, so let me tell you, God's, God is interested in your heart. And our heart is so sold on so many other things. It's what can I buy and what can I get next? And, and how, everything is about materialism in our culture. And it's why our heart is so gripped in this. But when you learn to worship God with your giving and your finances, it becomes an act of worship. That's why we don't say we're in here to, we're taking up the offering today. We don't take up anything. 
We, we worship God through our generosity. This is what we do. It's an act of worship. That's why it's not a guilt trip for us. Because it's not even between you and me. It's not between you and your church. It's between you and your God. It's going, man, how do I honor him with my finances? When I got saved at 16 years old, the very first thing God dealt with me about is how do I spend my money? And it's probably because I'm from a family that money was very important. Materialism was kind of a big deal in our family. It was always how can we buy the next thing? So I get saved. I get a job at McDonald's making five fifteen an hour. And I, don't talk to me about no $15 an hour. Five fifteen an hour. And I, and I loved it. I worked hard. But I remember that very first paycheck. It was right under $200. And I remember being challenged. The Lord's like, okay, what are you going to do with the first? What are you going to do with the first part? And I remember it was like a struggle for me going, well, God, you don't need this. What is my $20 going to do? You have a, streets of gold. I don't have anything. <laughs> Let me say it this way. Listen, listen. God's not after your finances. Just, just write it out. Listen, God's not after your finances. Y'all, like, we make this all weird. Well, God needs my money. God doesn't need your money. God's not after your finances. He's after your first. He wants to be first in your life. So where we put our treasure, that's where our heart is at. So God wants to know, is he, is he first in your life? So tithing is not 10% of your income. Tithing's the first 10% of your income. Giving to God in worship is not the leftovers. It's God, I'm giving it to you first. And it's not to create a guilt trip in your life. It's to create a standard to say, God, look, even in my money, I'm worshiping you. That's why Proverbs says it this way. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then if you honor God first, then watch. He's God. He doesn't need it anyway. And watch what happens. Then your barns will be filled with overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. In other words, you can't ever outgive him. You can't ever outworship him. He'll bless you in ways you never thought was possible. But make him God in your life, not your 401k, not even your investments, not even your job. Put God first and watch how he blesses your life. Can I hear a better amen than that today, church? Number three. We're going to worship God with our time. We're going to worship God with our treasure. We're going to worship God with our talent. You are uniquely gifted and designed. I tell people all the time, you're weird on purpose. Should be some encouragement to some of y'all. I find my tribe. I found it. <laughs> and let me tell you, you're not all called to be preachers. Like, I just, I, I think it's, there's this weird idea that, like, the only way you can do something in worshiping God with your job is to be on some kind of stage. That's so crazy. Please, let me do what God's called me to do. I'm talented to do this. But let me tell you, I'm not talented to do your job. I can't be in your workplace. I can't be in your classroom. And we have to start looking at our jobs, our talent, as more than just some idea that we have and some career path we chose, but actually some kind of calling that we have to worship God through. Ephesians says it this way, for you are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that... We can do good things he planned for us long ago. He's got good things. And by the way, those good things, they happen on the dream team, but they're not only on the dream team. They should be happening Monday through Saturday in your workplace also. They should be happening in your home. You're uniquely talented and uniquely gifted. So let me tell you, if, if God calls you to be a doctor or be, be a first responder or, or to be an engineer, let me tell you, look at that job and go, listen, I'm not, I'm not called to do something in the church like that. I'm called to do it where God's called me to be in my sphere of influence. And we say this phrase all the time, ready? That my work is my worship. So the way I do it 
the way I work, the attitude I have, the excellence that I bring, it's an act of worship. So let me just say it very clearly. Radiant Church, we should be the best workers in the Tampa Bay area. I don't want to hear that Radiant Church worker. I mean, you don't hire people from that church. They show up late. They dishonor their authority. They, they cut corners. No, 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 not at Radiant Church. Because we're not even working as unto that boss. The Bible says it like this in Colossians 3. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not even for human masters. Why? Why are we working for the Lord? Because the Lord needs us? No. Remember, he's totally self-sufficient. Why are we working as the Lord? So that we can be an example to the world around us of what it means to worship. So our actual acts of excellence in showing up early and honoring our authority and going above and beyond, they might not notice it, but it brings God glory. It brings God honor, and we should go the extra mile because of that. So that's how we live. We live in an an idea that, man, even my talent I'm using to bring God glory. Because don't make worship one hour on a Sunday. Make worship your entire job. The way you lead that classroom teacher, it's worship. The way you deal with those patients, nurse, that's worship right there. The way you're operating on that job site for that construction crew, it's worship because you're doing it as unto the Lord. He gave you the energy. He gave you the talent. He's given you the time. So why don't you take it and use it for his glory? Come on, can I hear it? Amen. So we worship God with our time. We worship God with our treasure. We worship God with our talent. Let's close it out with this one. You're going to worship God with your talk. Because what comes out of your mouth really matters. And everybody just got real quiet all of a sudden. Come on, talk again about time. And pastor, I can yell that one down. I'm all about the fact that you can say the right words on a Sunday. Can you say them throughout the week? What about when people mistreat you or talk bad about you online? or how, What's coming out of your mouth? The words that come out of our mouth have so much power. And I want you to know this. They have the power to glorify God in every situation you're in. So we got to be very careful about what comes out of our mouth. First Peter says it this way. If anyone speaks, that's us, they should do so as the one who speaks the very words of God. All right, all right, let's just pause. Let's go back a couple days. You got pulled over, I mean, cut off in 275. Did I speak the very words of God? Aaron, they were Old Testament words. No, no, no. It's <laughs> funny, right? It's in the Bible. No, 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 no. No, no, no. The words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things... Every single thing that we do, God may be praised through Christ Jesus. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever and ever. I love the Colossians 3. We just read another verse. Let me show you this one in verse 17. Whatever you do or, say it out loud, whatever you do or what? Say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Ouch. You want to know how to give give God glory? Speak to every single person as if... You are speaking on the behalf of Jesus himself. What if we did this with our spouse? What if we did this with our kids? Hey, I'm talking to you the way Jesus would talk to you right now. Wow. 
wouldn't it change things? Why? Because that's worship. Let's, worship's not a few minutes on a Sunday morning. It's the words we speak all throughout the rest of the week. That's why the prayer I pray often is the prayer of David, Psalm 19, 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my God, my rock, and my redeemer. Some of us need to just go, are we speaking life in every environment? Because the way we speak gives God glory. So let me close with this question right here. Ready? So then why do we sing in church? Aaron, you just preached a whole message on worship, and you didn't talk anything about the idea of why we, speak in, why we sing in church. Well, there's multiple reasons why we sing corporately in worship. There's historical reasons. There's stuff that happens in the spiritual realm when you get together in worship. There's a lot of those. That's a whole other teaching. But let me tell you one of the primary reasons that singing worship in church is so important. Does God need it? No. Does it give him glory? Yes. So how does it give him glory? Here's what it does. Ready? Write it down your notes. We sing in church because it aligns our speech with our ultimate purpose, which is to glorify God. So I want you to think, how many times throughout the week are you actually speaking the right, perfect words to glorify God? Probably very little until you come to Radiant Church and the word pops up on the screen and you go, oh, I can say that. And all of a sudden, you're speaking words that align with your ultimate purpose, to give God glory. Some of you guys, it's been something that you've been so reserved to do because you never understood the purpose of it. Today, we, we, I, I, I left a few minutes in the service. At every location, I don't want anybody moving around. I don't want everybody, listen, this is the primary reason, not just you came to church, it's the primary reason you exist today. It's to give God glory. So I want you to do me a favor, stay in your feet. I want us to have a moment at every location where we align our speech with our ultimate purpose. You ready? I want you to close your eyes at all of our locations. Nobody moving around. Have this moment where you're going to correct your speech. All week long, we might have complained or been bitter or, or been frustrated or, or said things that were not right. But now we're going to take our speech and we're going to direct it towards our ultimate purpose, which is to honor and glorify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So before we even sing a word, come on, you just tell them right now. Say, God, I want to honor you with my talk. I want to honor you with my voice. Lord, everything else is vying for my attention. Right now, I choose to worship you in this moment and at this time in Jesus' name we pray. Now we're going to sing together. And while we sing, I want you to make it an act of worship, aligning your speech with your ultimate purpose. Come on, let's sing it out. Let's do it, Candace. And if you don't know this song, look at the words on the screen and meet it from your heart. Come on, sing it.
train you in worship for just a little bit, Radiant. So, so listen, that would be appropriate. That would be the glory that you would give the Buccaneers. They took the ball, they got it down the field, they won. That actually, I saw some of you last week, <laughs> and the glory you gave them was way more exciting than the glory you just gave the creator of the universe. You got a promotion at your job and you, you gave, wow, thank you so much. You're so celebrated. You gave glory. You give it to so many other things. Can I just stretch you for a little bit? I, I just, I know it's family. I know even some guests that are here today. You, you haven't understood your whole purpose. And here's what it is. I want you to look at me. Listen, most people lose their way when they forget their why. So you're, you're, you've lost your way in life, and it all comes back to this one central thing. You forgot your why. Your why is that you exist to glorify God. So we're going to worship one more time, but we're not going to do it like we're golf clapping, like we got some victory off of some little thing. We're going to worship the creator of the universe, the one who sent his son to redeem humanity, the one who got you out of your darkness into his marvelous life, the one who is preparing a place right now for us in heaven. So if you're comfortable, lift that hand to heaven and let's worship the King of Kings.
that's you in this moment, I, I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. Here's the thing is that God has an amazing plan. He has an amazing purpose for you. He loves you, but there's something called sin that has separated us from the love of God, that separated us from relationship from God. And here's the thing, is that because God loved us enough, he sent his own son, Jesus, to die on a cross, and he overcame death, hell, and the grave. And now you can actually serve that Lord and Savior, Jesus, and you can invite him into your life, and you can be eternally saved. And I want to give you that opportunity. All it's simply do, you have to just believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that's it. So I want to give you an opportunity today. So in this moment, if that's you and you want to make that decision to make Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life, I'm going to give you that opportunity on the count of three. Just simply raise your hand and put it right back down on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Just simply raise your hand. Yeah, I see your hand. Yeah, that's awesome. You can put it right back down. I see your hand. That's amazing. Yeah, I see it. I see it. Thank you. So many hands. So many people making that decision to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of their life. If that was you, and why don't we just, everybody in there, why don't we just pray this prayer and believe in our heart today. Say, dear Jesus, come on, let's say it all together. Say, dear Jesus, today I give you my life. Lord, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross and that he overcame the grave. So today I surrender to you my past, my present, and my future. From today... I give you my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we give it up for those who just went from death to life? That's a big deal. All of heaven is celebrating right now. Come on. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.